Greetings programs, welcome to Animatronic, the podcast talking about episodes of Disney's animated television show, Tron Uprising. My name is Duncan Shields, host of Tronologically Speaking, the movie-by-minute podcast talking about 1982's movie, Tron. And I'm Courtney Coulson, reviewing Tron Legacy one minute at a time on Legacy Minute. Episode 5. Now, Episode 5 is a pretty fascinating one. This is where uh, things sort of really kicked up for me. The Definitely, the, yeah. The very short uh, synopsis is Tron must help retrieve Beck's identity disc. Beck loses his, gets his identity disc stolen <coughs> and has to get it back before he loses his mind. His entire He's got memory. Goddamn mind. He's <laughs> goddamn mind. He's like, yes. that's what's, uh, this is what, this, we, here we find out what happens if a program loses its disc. Mm. And I think th- I, this is one of those episodes that's really playing with the concepts of this world and going, well, what happens if we, yeah. you know, change some variables here? So yeah. And like we we're talking earlier about working, uh, in my in my movie by minute coverage of 1982's Tron, a, a guest Sam Dolmich came up with the concept of the Kryptonomatron, which is the sub appendixes or appendices and all of like just this giant book of all the questions that get spawned by the Tron uh, properties. Where you're like, well, what what does happen outside of the cities? What are grid eaters? What would happen if this happened? What would have like what would happen? So this is like. This answers one of those questions. This episode is why I want them to make another eight seasons of this show is because this actually answers yes. one of those questions. What happens when a when a program loses their disc? And uh, it's not nice. It's not pretty. What happens? You've got about, it says here, you've got a couple weeks uh, and then you become a stray, which is just mm. uh, a completely amnesiac program. So, uh, but up until then, you slowly lose, lose your mind kind of, Alzheimer, where you just kind of just trickle away and you start forgetting the people that are closest to you. It's like it's kind of brutal, but it was it's it's harsh enough that it's super interesting. I thought, yeah. So we get a uh, yeah. So Beck uses his at the beginning. He uses his magic mechanic tool to switch all the screens. I mean, this thing's like a sonic screwdriver. He can use it for whatever, and he he, yep. uh, he changes all the screens in the big place where Tesla just gave his speech, and he changes them to say, "From Tron is dead." He switches it over to Tron lives, uh, and so that's where we get one of the through lines of this whole series. Actually, is Tron lives. They're whispering It'd be funny if it was the uh, footage that Sam Flynn uses of his dog when he hacks into Encom. Yeah, that would be really good. Just a little gif, a little gif of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, I know, chronologically, it doesn't make any sense, but shh, I don't care. No, it'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> so what do we got? Uh, oh, yeah, then so later on, Beck's hanging out in a crowd on his way to work when there's a surprise disc inspection that gets announced, and Beck's not into it and some again some random shady dude with really cool character design is like hey he looks like jermaine clement from he does good call <laughs> yeah he does he's got a little soul patch uh i was thinking that it looks like he tried out for the gorillas band but didn't quite make yes. the cut you know yeah he's, he's peak jamie hewlett 
Yeah, he does. He's got some real, some real heel. But he's got some red in his costume, which we all know by now means bad guy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yes, is it do even not trust? Is it even conscious? Like, is if you're bad, do you just start to generate red bits on your on your suit? This is you a know? question I ask about Transformers. Yep, I'm going to mention Transformers again there because Decepticons have red eyes. Autobots have blue eyes. Do they right. when they sign up to a different faction? Do they have to change the LEDs? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pitch and there's like unscrewing the Christmas lights in their eyes, like squeak, 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 yeah, squeak, is squeak. It, is it like those uh, those ones that you can use to decorate your house with, and there's like 26 colors already built in, or, or what's, what's the situation? <laughs> so there's a uh, a little distraction, and then the guy's like, Come on, and they hop on a train, and so as they go away to the next stop, and then he's like, Us programs have to stick together, and uh, Beck hops off, and then as the train pulls away. He like reaches around to his back. He's like, oh no, my disc is gone. And then he looks over and the random dude has his disc on the train that's pulling out of the station. So there's no, there's nothing to be done about it. And he's like, dang it. And he's really bummed out because that's the disc that's like half of Tron's disc. Yeah. So so they're already setting those stakes way high. Pretty special disc. And if that gets into the wrong hands, like, yeah, he's toast. So... Tron gives What's... uh oh, sorry. sorry go ahead. Tron gives Beck like a fake rubber disc that'll yeah. fool casual glances if he's walking around, but won't won't stand up to actual inspection. So we learn about fake discs that you can wear. These are these the VPNs that we were talking about the last episode? Yes, again. He gives him a VPN. So he can have yeah. he can just look around. Oh, totally normal. <laughs> Um, what struck me in the previous scene in terms of world building is that it establishes that programs have a sense of privacy and we know they have individuality, but privacy is something that I've actually been researching a little bit in terms of human history and why humans are quite unique in that respect. Okay. And I have this idea that it seems like intelligence and privacy or shame even seem to be interconnected because there are tests on uh, elephants where they will paint just you know a colored paint on their face and they keep touching it and trying to wipe it off like they're embarrassed right but if you put clear paint they don't care so it is very much a case of oh don't look at me guys (laughs) huh wow that is so it's not just a sensation of having something on their face is something more Mm. at play there yeah, so I think other elephants must be reacting to them going, What's, what is that? Dude, I, I, dude there's, oh, something. Oh. there's something on your face. Oh, oh my God. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah, maybe. Huh. Ah, wild. Well, there you go. Yeah, so privacy counts here. Yeah, and, and I and, wonder what, uh, well, we know what Beck's trying to keep secret, but I wonder what other programs are ashamed about. Well, this it's a it's a double it's a two thing, right? Like it's you want to get your disc back because you don't want your secrets out there in the world if you have any secrets that people might care about. But you also uh, are going to become a non-person. You're going to become a stray if you don't get your disc back in mm. inside of two weeks. Which makes me wonder, what if you break your disc? Oh yeah. What if you fall on your back really hard and break your disc? I guess you. I guess there's like disc repair shops and and stuff like that. But if you broke it, then he'd just be. Would you just be boned? Would you just be like, well, I better say my goodbyes because I'm not gonna know anybody. I guess anybody. you'd be kind of 
glitching out. That depends how much of the data is still in there. Yeah. They could just duct tape it together, digitally duct tape it back together and be okay for a while. I don't know. I don't think there's a cloud system, (laughs) or at least not for programs in that way. That'd be interesting to explore. That'd be real interesting to explore. Can you back yourself up in case you lose your disk? If only Tron Legacy would made about five or ten years later when everyone's using the cloud. So that clue's just like, I'm going to get into the cloud and then I'll get into everything. Yeah, right? That's uh, that's what they... that's. I said it before and I'll say it again. That's what they should have done. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Still a beautiful movie. Tron 3. Tron 3. Tron 3. Come on, Tron yep. 3. Let's do this, Tron 3. <laughs> I actually hope that clue returns because now we can do it so much better. I mean, look at Thanos. Yeah. looks so freaking real by the same yeah. company, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, these days we could probably do that more justice. I mean, it was pushing the envelope at the time. So, you know, kudos to everybody mm. for trying. But, uh, I know. Isn't that funny how we look at the original Tron and we just accept, yeah, this is garbage special effects by our standards. But Clue is, no pun intended, in the Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Which is figuratively a different, and literally. Yeah, it's a different thing where you're like, arguably what happened with, with Clue in Legacy is way better than mm. what could be ever even remotely attempted with what they tried in 1982's Tron. But at the same time, 1982's Tron, you're like, yeah, okay. But Clue, you're like, ooh, ugh, jeez. <laughs> I think it's uh. like if a kid does something embarrassing, it's like, oh, that's kind of cute. That's it's fine. And yeah. what a teenager does, you're like, ooh, like, a little cringe. Okay, come on. Yeah, yeah, could be. <laughs> no better <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so this is where we get the news from Tron that, Hey, Beck, if you don't get your... or I don't know if he's saying this to Beck specifically or if, or if they just both know this, but we find out that if you don't have a disc, your memory starts to fade pretty quick and you become a stray, which is a pretty big deal. So the hunt is on to get the disc That's back. a really cool concept, and there's this time limit, and just, ah, it's great. Yeah, and we're off to the races. You're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in this episode. You know it's going to end for the best, but you're hooked because that's good writing. You're like, oh. You know the good guys are going to win, but you're still like, wow, this is worrying. What's going to happen? It's always a question of not if the heroes are going to succeed, but how much they're going to have to go through before they succeed. For sure. uh, Things get pretty serious. Yeah, that's a really good point. So Tron invites, Tron says, I'm going to go get your desk back. And uh, because, well, but like, yeah, so Beck's going to go get it. And Tron's like, I'm going to come with you. Because you can't go by yourself in your condition, which I think is pretty rich considering Tron has like digital cancer or whatever eating him alive. So he's not at 100% either. But it uh, also... You know what? That is so, it reminds me of my mom and I, because I got chronic fatigue. Right. But my mom is in her 60s and it's this weird thing of, no, my son, you cannot do this. You're six. Like, yeah, but you're also an old lady. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of uh, a bunch of the grandparents in these COVID times. We're like, mm. I don't want to go near my kids because, you know, I don't want to give them anything that I might have. And it's like, OK, but I don't think you're understanding why they want to be separated from you. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's because they might infect you, grandpa, like you like. But all these uh, all these older people are still strong and hearty and are, are, are just thinking about, you know, saving their kids and their grandkids. Oh, yeah. My grandparents are so stubborn and think they're immortal. Yeah. And. It goes both ways. Like they still think you're a kid. You still think they're 45, you know, like it's, 
it's this yeah. uh it's this thing but uh so okay but then it also highlights that in this world losing your disc is actually really serious but then we got back to the garage mm -hmm. and here's hopper and bartik and they're hanging around while zed and mara are talking about the renegade mara's all into the renegade he's mysterious and zed's like he's oh. dreamy he, yeah he's dreamy and zed's like oh <laughs> i hate this guy so Bartik and Hopper approach Zed and they want him to make a light cycle mod to stop the renegade for Paige's task force. And this is where it comes into that yellow armband thing. They say that if he does what they want, they'll give him one of the sweet yellow glowing armbands they're both wearing. I I don't know if it's like a gang color or if it's like... It gives you 10 plus speed. Yeah, I, well, that would be awesome if it gave you a little perk, <laughs> a little bonus or something. Yeah. Oh man, you come up against somebody who's just got like... 28 armbands all up and down his arms and legs <laughs> oh my gosh what has he got he's got plus 10 everything so zed's uh, uh that's like what oh what's the worst game for that i mean the witcher can get pretty crazy with the costumes Scott yeah. had to wear some gaudy stuff mm -hmm. uh world of warcraft maybe or maybe. just screw aesthetics i'm just gonna be powerful <laughs> yeah and i'd love that's what i like to see in uh in like D D campaigns and stuff like that where you've got like you're wearing just the most motley clanking strange colorful collection of like yeah charms and wands and armor and stuff and it doesn't it looks horrible but it makes you like a demigod <laughs> like i just love that <laughs> that aesthetic is really really cool to me i like that i think that's the aesthetic that final fantasy all final fantasy is based on good lord yeah probably <laughs> so it, uh, it's so strange you know we're thinking about tron legacy which is all you know less is more minimalist and then my brain goes to you know these fantasy games and final fantasy and all that oh yeah oh, whiplash <laughs> so zed's all like at first he's like no way and then they're all like you coward and then zed is all okay i'll do it <laughs> zed's a pretty easy mark with this kind of stuff I, I would call this doing a Marty McFly. It's like, don't call me chicken. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly. Totally. Changes everything. Totally, totally. I'm no chicken. I'll show you. Oh, yeah. You really <laughs> showed us. You really showed us. So then Tron and Beck head to Pergos. This is so cool. This is like a full-on cyberpunk Hong Kong-looking city. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a it's the former boomtown and the original settlement of Argon. It's now a slum after the war, whatever that means. And they uh, then they check out the pawn shops. And so yeah, does that mean there's there was a sense of expansion with the grid? So they started off in one city and then they spread out. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so, because I think that they're like that's the thing about the wastelands around the major cities is uh, is that there's I guess there is expansion. After Clue took over, I think he made everything perfect and then uh, started to expand, which is I think part of why Tesla was drilling in the last episode is because they need more stuff so that they can keep expanding. So, how far down and how far up does the grid go? I never thought I didn't even think to ask that in the last episode, but yeah, good huh. question, good question. You, like, how deep are those oceans? How is high there a Marianas Trench? How high is the sky? You know, like you'd think there'd be a bounding box of some kind that that would have like a, a limit. Maybe you fall through the ground and you just float there forever, right? Just like in a video game where you're looking at the bottom, you're under the desert eternity below you and the underside of the desert above you and you're like okay this is really bad this is not good 
Kevin Flynn is an absolute madman. Just like, oh yeah, we're gonna have the the, the wild frontier and this dangerous stuff out there. Good luck. Why would you do that? Why would you do uh-huh. that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're going into one of the pawn shops, and the third one they go into says, I, I don't carry ID discs. That's illegal. And it's like, yeah, right. Okay, here we go. Here we go. He looks a little like Peter Stormare, I thought. I thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. Peter Stormare isn't doing the voice. I wonder if they were originally going to have him do the voice, and then he backed out and they kept the model or something, because... Yeah, so his name is COBOL, uh, yes. which is one of the oldest programming languages, although it's spelled with a K, not a C. That's right, that's right. And uh, he's played by Mark Boone Jr., who you mm. might know as the thug in Batman Begins, who uh, he's harassing this falafel stall guy, and he's like, well, my kids need to eat. And he's like, what, your kids don't like falafel? Oh, that guy. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so he, is he the guy that gets pulled up to the rooftop? Or where are the other drugs? Are? Where are yeah, they that are? guy where are, they? <laughs> where are the other But I find the falafel scene funny. Yes. It is. It is. <laughs> And COBOL's an acronym for Common Business Oriented Language. It's fading out now, but it was surprisingly widely used. It's still widely used, considering uh, it was made in 1959 for the U.S. Department of, of Defense. Oh, wow. I so, know the military holds on to a lot of old school stuff as long as they can. I hear horror stories about missile silos still using 12-inch floppy disks for their Commodore <laughs> 64 security systems. and In a way, it kind of is tamper-proof now because it's a relic and nobody can hack into this, this ancient hmm. forgotten technology that... Like, oh, okay, it's safe in some ways, but that's pretty dangerous. I mean, they must have updated it, but who knows? Yeah, some kind of hybrid. Hopefully. Some sort of weird Frankenstein hybrid where you've got Commodore 64s and tape drives and like the latest bleeding edge technology all kind of hooked into each other through a big patch pad. Yeah. I'll tell myself that so I can sleep at night. Yeah, for sure. But the set design here is is fantastic. It's more haphazard, lots of little shapes, lots of uh lots of colorful little little chunks and it's lovely. Yeah, I love how it's not depicting anything in particular, and yet yeah. it's saying everything it needs to say. It's just like a collage, but it's like a messy collage, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is quite cyberpunk. This is the slum town kind of thing." You know, it's yeah. less less clean. You know, a lot of colors bleeding into each other. And then as they walk around the memory, as they walk around the market, oh yeah, the guy, the guy, Peter Stormare guy says, "I'll meet you later at the energy canteen around the corner and tell you what I find out." And they're like, oh, okay. And don't trust anybody. So yeah. I guess also, we should trust this guy? Don't trust me. I mean, yeah, don't trust anybody. I mean, you know, except for me. I'll see yeah. you at the canteen. <laughs> so they're walking and around. And then uh, Tron removes his helmet, which I was surprised. Like, why would you ever do that when you're like, out? Uh, you're in like the shadiest, shadiest place. Like, you, I mean, maybe he thinks nobody knows him there or they're mm. all criminals down there. So everybody just minds their business kind of thing. I don't know. But yeah, he, he takes off his helmet, which is a bit... A bit like, uh, dude, you're not like, if anything, it's more crowded there than in Argon City. So, but Tron tries to brace Beck for the memory loss as they walk around the market and he mentions, Hey, by the way, we're being followed. And then they get surrounded and, uh, and it's more, you got some more of those dead space looking helmets with the slats on the front. Really, really cool. And then the leader throws down and there's a big old fight and they're fighting and they're fighting. And the gang is doing the tried and true one at a time maneuver, <laughs> taking on yes. 
you know, you go. Okay, now you go. And then mid-fight, though, Beck gets a, an attack of amnesia. And he gets all... And, yeah, and I love the way they show that where it's this, uh, like, fisheye lens sort of thing uh, yeah. down from his forehead. And it really creates that sense of disorientation. Yeah, there's this, like, yeah, extreme close-up and you're, the, the eyes are pointing in different directions because of distortion from the uh, from the from the focal length of the lens and it's, it's very effective you're like uh-oh uh-oh like he doesn't even to say anything you're like oh my gosh he's having an attack so yeah really cool so trot and beck are totally losing because of that but then out of nowhere a woman ninja program dressed in white with a hood like spider gwen jumps in and starts kicking everybody's ass she's, she's so cool super cool she's so cool and uh yeah, and here what we were talking last time about white programs being maybe like entertainment or being, you know, uh subservient in some way or something, but this mm. is definitely not one of those. You know, she's uh she's kicking a lot of ass and she's doing a lot of great stuff. So and then she's like, Smoke bomb and then uh they all <laughs> escape to a nearby rooftop. She's totally Batmans them out of there, which is pretty awesome. I feel like whatever her original job was, uh, she she's not doing it anymore. Oh yeah, maybe she used to prep people for the games, but now she's uh, freelancing, shall we say? Yeah, I can't believe that I just took that as fact, and I only now I'm realizing, oh yeah, I just made that up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I don't think we get into her backstory very much, but. Up on head the uh, accepted. on the oh, head, and head her, her name, yes, uh, her name is Lux, and she's That's played right. by Lake Bell, who is the best poison ivy on the new Harley Quinn series. Oh, I haven't seen that. That's cool. Okay, so cool. good. Yes, nice. Yeah, and uh, she introduces. Yeah, she says her name is Lux, and she says that she can help because she helps strays. And Beck, she's pretty because <laughs> Beck likes her. Yeah, he's pretty. like, oh, if I. Uh, if I'm losing my memory, if, if she's the last thing I remember, it's not so bad or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. If that's the last thing I see, that's all right. <laughs> and Tron's like, keep it in your pants, son. She's like, all right. You just, everybody just chill out. And we, uh, Lux isn't a programming language, but it is a measure of uh, luminance, like uh, ah. like lumens or candles or whatever. It's a... Uh, just a measure of I think it's of Latin for light, isn't it? It is, yeah, I think so. I yeah. think it's literally Latin for light. But... So then we cut back to Zed showing Mara his weapon prototype that he's going to use to help track down the renegade. And it's raining, and she's got her cool transparent Blade Runner umbrella like the Siren and Legacy did in that in that scene where she meets him in a clandestine way. I looked into making one of those ages ago. Actually, probably when Tron Legacy came out. And... I could not figure out a way to collapse it in in a way that would not totally ruin it. Because I tried a twisting it in. I tried right. all sorts of different. Because I, I got no idea. It looks rigid, right? Yeah. Like it's a rigid umbrella. It's not something you can sort of close and open. Unless you did, like, in... Ba- I can't believe I'm referencing Batman Begins twice in one episode. I haven't <laughs> thought about that movie in years. But you know when he's making the cape and he puts this electric... Uh, current through the cape right and then it it goes rigid maybe just do something like that yeah something like that right so i do have a blade runner umbrella and just like a proper umbrella but it's got the led going through the center i had one good enough yeah i had one too and it was uh but it got lost in a move 
Ah, it's I knew. too bad. Yeah, it's real good. It's real good. That was a too bad. That that move was too bad. I lost a spear and, a, and an 18th century cavalry sword and that oh, umbrella. No. They were all packaged together because they're long and thin, and they just didn't show up at the new place. There's a box that said "rad stuff." Do not touch. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. Hopefully, they went to a good home. But anyway, mm. he uh, he's showing Zed showing his weapon to Mara, and uh, she's not into it because she's in the rain. And then so he he sets a a light cycle on autopilot and turns on its jet wall. And then... So hang on, does rain actually bother them? Like, are they getting all wet under their costume? Is right. This... <laughs> I wonder. I mean, her hair they, looks they, fine, but it's under an umbrella, so I can't tell. We see some wet hair at other points in this series, so you can get wet. Mm. So she's, uh, and then, but so his weapon shoots a pulse of energy at the light cycle's jet wall, and then it traces the jet wall up to the bike and then explodes the bike. So whoever. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, but it's also like. I like that bubble effect. Yeah, oh, for sure, right, for sure. It's really, really cool looking, but I'm kind of like, geez, Zed, are you a genius? Or are you like, are you like just a psycho? <laughs> like this, you, you just invented like a murder gun that kills people by just following their light trail and exploding their vehicle. And you're like, pretty cool, huh? And I'm like, has that ever been created before? First, you're making bikes that go 30% faster than absolutely anything else. And now you've got this like tracer seeker killer missile thing that you can hook into anybody's jet wall. Next minute, he's going to be experimenting on other programs. It's just, you know, maybe it's a good thing that this show only had one season because I just, I don't see a good future for Zed. No, Zed's kind of like a, a kind of lucky that he's not that bright because if he had an ambition and was legitimately evil, like he'd be terrifying <laughs> if he's just like, yeah. oh, I think, uh, wait, I know how to make a world destroyer. Here, just give me 15 minutes. It's like, no, dude, stop it. What are you doing? <laughs> no, stop. So, but we cut back to Tron and back in the energy canteen and they're with Lux and uh, she's telling them that she can't find any info about the disc and Cobol is a no-show. So, and for all these sequences, Tron is in his nearly totally black suit with his motorcycle helmet on. So he's very stealthy. But then Beck sees, uh, sees that guy that stole his disc at the start. And it turns on that his name is Galt. His name is, it turns out that his name is Galt. So they chase after Galt. They corner Galt. He says he won't give the up the, the identity of the person he gave the disc to because he's scarier than Tron and Beck. When all of a sudden... I love the fact that... Oh, yeah. sorry. I love the fact that when they first see him, he's sitting there looking real chill. And then he's just scrambling to get out of there. He's freaking out. Well, he does that cool thing where somebody walks in front of him and then he's just gone. Yeah. But then, yeah, the next the next shot, he's in the alley outside. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Running, running away. But he's got his back against the wall telling them, uh, you know, the person who I gave the disc to is scarier than you, so I won't give it up. And then a blade comes through the wall behind him and through his chest and derezzes him. So we get another sweet uh, character design just gone before our very eyes. A sweet, sweet, short-lived character. R.I.P. I wonder Galt. how many faces they sketched up just as possible designs that they could use or if it was specifically for every character in that script they just gave them a very specific look 
I really, really hope that they used in some cases uh, just crew members. If they're just mm. like caricatures of animators and lighters and, and programmers and crew members on the show, because I think that would be pretty... they do seem very specific. Yeah. Yeah. They're really well realized and they do look like separate individuals. They don't look like they're just kind of tweaked, you know, here and there. They look like they're, they're each one seems unique, which I really, really like. That's why uh, it's it's that creepy artist thing of yes. That's why it's good to actually go out and draw people in crowds because there's so many times I'm out and I see someone and go, I would never think to make an outfit like that. I would yeah. never think to draw a face like that. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some really unique looking people everywhere, and they they just look mm. you know there's something very very yeah. Each person has a little something. And once you really get practice drawing all that kind of stuff, and you can really make them unique. I always have the same freaking generic face that I draw. I think every artist has that, like your default face. Yeah, yeah, right. Where you're like, okay, okay, I know. I know how to draw these cheekbones in this nose. Let's steer away. Let's try something new. That's what I like yeah. about uh, October, because I've been doing the draw every day challenge for October. And oh, yeah. Doing some pretty cool stuff coming out of that. I forgot it was Inktober. Yeah. I'm so busy with pattern drafting. <laughs> Well, well, here we go. Like Tron and Beck uh, are becoming those people who cause the death of about 50% of the people they meet. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I see this a lot in, in some movies where the chase is on. Like every, every single acquaintance and new friend either becomes one of the bad guys, is either revealed to be a spy, or they become collateral damage, or both. So it's like... I do love that trope. Stay away from main characters just a word of advice, listeners, if you ever run into a main character in your travels, don't befriend them. They <laughs> will die. I'm pretty sure I'm not a main character in my story. I'm probably like the plucky sidekick, or I'm, you know, the the wacky neighbor. That's probably the best. Wacky neighbor. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely, I'm the guy buying a hot dog in the background. That's, uh, that's me. <laughs> So his murderer runs away on a light bike, uh, a light bike, and Beck and Tron and Lux all give it, all give chase. So there's a big, huge French Connection style car chase, light cycle chase underneath a subway bridge, then up onto a highway, uh, and then there's a sweet moment where Beck actually crashes, goes off the three way, into the side of a building, derezzes his bike back into his baton, smashes through the window, runs through the building smashes out the window on the other side, re-reses his bike up, gets back onto the freeway, and then we're we're back into the chase. It's so cool. The sequences like that, I'm just like, you didn't have to do that, and you did. And I'm really happy that you did that. That's really cool. But... Uh, hang on, I went past it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the other thing about Zed, I forgot to mention, yeah. in my notes, where he just picks up the, 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 the remaining cubes of the rest a bike and it's just something a bit unnerving about that someone actually interacting with what remains yeah it's kind of like guts you know you're kind of yeah. like mm. i mean with a bike yeah i mean nobody was in it so it's just shrapnel mm. it's just chunks but it's it's this is a gateway though it's a, it's a yeah, stepping yeah, stone <laughs> it's a gateway for sure for sure but then mid bike chase here beck gets amnesia again and crashes into a light trail and doesn't die, luckily, but the assailant uh, escapes. Back in my day, you would have been instantly derezzed if that happened. Right. <laughs> That's a pretty heavy plot armor on. And then uh, and we cut back to Mara, uh, and she's a little freaked out by Zed's 
murder gun, <laughs> like his murderous <laughs> streak, and uh, isn't impressed by his yellow armband either. So she's like, you're becoming someone that I like even less than I did before. You know, before yeah. you were before you were only my friend, but you're coming. You're becoming someone that I don't even want to be friends with. So Zed's like, Ugh, that's uh, that's too bad. So she's sort of a little bit of a voice of reason to him, hopefully. So we'll see. She usually is. Maybe she'll get through to him. Maybe, maybe she will. But then we got we cut back to Beck and Tron, and they're in Lux's apartment, and they're going over Galt's memory disc. Who, this set design is amazing. It's so good. It's so cool. I like all the different apartments that they go to. It's each one, each new place they go is not generic. It's all a lot of really cool bits and pieces taken into account. I think that's the hardest thing with science fiction, especially when your characters aren't human, is making a space that looks lived in. And here we go, Transformers reference number 105. <laughs> is, yeah, like, what do they do all day? Do they even need to sit down? Do they need furniture? Do yeah. they sleep? Yeah. It's the same problem with programs. And they do a pretty good job of making these spaces look futuristic and sleek and stuff, but also like a place that someone occupies and has a life in. Yeah, right. For sure. I, I, oh, I, I and he does say, oh, it's a nice place. How did you afford it? So there is obviously a caste system. There is currency. There is rich and poor. Yeah. And it's just like, who came up with that? Why would you just repeat the problems in the real world? Yeah, if he was going to make like a perfect system, I don't know why anybody would have an expensive place. But again, this is like a slum, right? This is... This is a part of town that has kind of fallen into disrepair. So mm-hmm. maybe the the sort of egalitarian social laws have also fallen into disrepair, and you've got a more extreme. Yeah, we don't really gap. know how uh, Kevin's grid worked. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it is interesting. I wonder if if this was made, especially during the eighties, you know, would there be this contrast between you know the real world is is capitalist and, and american and all you know, all the good things and then this other system is alien and communist and yeah. kind of pseudo russian but we're not going to say that overtly yeah 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 well there is there is echoes of that in this universe for sure especially when it comes to the isos but uh mm. yeah yeah i don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes but they're going through galt's memories and uh it's a little disturbing. This math, this moment's kind of is is really well done because Beck is looking at himself in Galt's yeah. memories, and he's like, "Who's that guy?" And they're like, uh, "Beck, that's that's you." And then he's like, "Who am I?" No, but that's me. So who are you though? And he's like, "Okay, <sighs> I'm Tron." And he's like, "You're part of the revolution." He's like, "What am I doing here?" And then so he's having a full on, you know. His, his memory is honestly away. freaky. Just some moments like, who is that? And like looking at himself and not recognizing it. Like, oh, oh, okay. This is bad. Yeah. He's not creeped out at all. He's just like, oh, who's that guy? And El- it's everybody else in the room who's like, oh, geez, dude, that's you. Like, oh no. But I think what makes this effective is that even though it's in a totally science fiction scenario, losing memory is such a real thing and a real fear for a lot of people yeah. and says oh yeah you don't, want, you don't yeah. want that no it's one of the worst things it really seems that you know yeah nobody wants it to happen and nobody wants to watch it happen it's 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 awful all around mm. 
But uh, so he's having a freak out and Tron is like, you know, snap out of it and, and trying to like hold him down and, and make sure that he gets better. But then Lux knocks out Tron. Uh-oh. Lux is not mm. on their side. And then she comforts Beth. But she's not wearing red. So how were we to know? Right. How are we to know? And then, but she's comforting <laughs> Beck. I guess that answers that question. You don't automatically get red if you if you're a bad person, and I don't know. I guess she's not really a bad person, but but she starts to see. she it's, starts it's to uh, she starts to comfort Beck like in Memento. He's like, "What? Mm. Who are you?" She's like, "Oh, I'm your friend. Everything's cool. That guy over there, he was trying to hurt you, but I saved you." And and uh, he's like, "Oh, good. Thank you, friend." So it's pretty. It's kind of chilling how much of a just a leaf in the wind he's become. And then Galt's killer comes in and takes off his helmet. And I don't want to blow your mind. I don't want to freak you out, mm-hmm. but you'll, okay. you'll never guess who the main bad guy is in this episode. Who is it? It's Cobol. Ah, oh, this whole oh, time, shit. this whole time it's been Cobol. I never would have guessed. He said you could not trust anybody, and it turns out he was just talking about himself. I I tell you. I tell you. You ought to watch out for those K names, right? <laughs> if you've got a capital K at the beginning, then you're going to turn out to be a bad guy. Yeah, if it's spelled with a C, it's totally fine. Yeah, No right? one's ever... Yeah, there are no villains that start with no. clue. <laughs> no. uh, oh, oops. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, so, Kobo convinces Beck that he's actually military and that he needs to turn himself into his soldier friends to get help. And Tron is tied up and very unhappy with this. And he's trying to tell Beck that Cobol is lying. And uh, Cobol's a big old jerk is what he is. Now Lux thinks that Cobol is in love with her. And that's why she's doing all this stuff. She's like, yeah, but what we have is different. And she won't turn yeah. on him. Even though Tron's there going, lady, don't trust him. He's bad news. Yeah, I love this moment where uh, she says, you know, Cobble will never hurt me. He loves me. And all you see in Tron's visor is her reflection. And he says, oh, who are you trying to convince? Yeah. And oh, it's a great I mean, moment. it's not the. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, it happens a lot with, with film language. Like, yeah, there's going to be consistent tropes that appear over and over again. Yeah. But how it's done is, is what makes it effective. And for whatever reason, this moment's just. Mm, perfection yeah it really it really works very well so then we get to uh the moment of truth where zed is demonstrating his gun to Paige uh with his friends there bartik and hopper and mara shows up too because she wants to see what all the fuss is about so zed's like i will show you this gun after i do this one thing this one minor adjustment okay now we're good to go and he fires <laughs> up the gun and the gun blows up and shuts down and the demo was a big old failure and uh, his friends are embarrassed. Paige is like, this is a waste of time and leaves. And then he uh, has to throw away his armband because he's like, I guess I'm not in your club anymore. And <laughs> Mara's like, that'll do, Zed. That'll do. Way to go. She's So he's got back into Mara's good books and he sort of had a, a moment of sense and now he's not going to join a gang and become a murderer <laughs> which is real good i still say good job zed 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 coming up with these horrifying weapons off the cuff like it's no big deal is uh it's pretty freaky 
Uh, I want to say that I really love the walk cycles on these characters. Yeah. It's just, ah, I don't know why. It's just, it's very elegant. Yeah. You could watch them walk around forever. Those long legs, those giant long legs. And it doesn't look like it's obviously freakish and unnatural, but there's something about the way that it's animated that just looks stylish, you know? Well, it is based on the uh, fashion illustration nine head rule. So most yeah. figures are about, I think, six heads tall, six or seven heads. Yeah. And we go to nine in fashion illustration, which that's what I was trained in originally. And 10 years later, I'm trying to untrain myself. <laughs> sure. Maybe, maybe I should just give into it and destroy everyone like they're from Tron Uprising. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know? So and then we cut back to Kobol and Beck and they're at the emergency beacon waiting for the troops to arrive and then uh, tron shows up so that means that lux freed him during Mm -hmm. their conversation there's a moment where she turns on her disc and you're wondering what she's going to do to tron but she has listened to reason and she frees him and uh, so tron runs over and tron and cobalt fight and cobalt has had the missing disc all along he's had galt's disc this whole time too so he's got the half Tron, half Beck disc that will give Beck back his memory. So now, not only is this guy just an obstacle, he has the object of value they've been chasing this whole episode. So, pretty good fight. A lot of big stakes. Yeah, and also just in terms of being able to follow it, it's you know they're both wearing masks. They're both in mostly yeah. black, but just the color dif- or the light difference is all you need to sell it and keep track. And it's, yeah, again, simple but effective. Simple but effective. And fight scenes are hard to write. Fight scenes are hard to shoot. And I haven't seen a fight scene yet in this show where I've been like, wait, who's where? What's happening? What's going on? Like, it's been very clear and very watchable every time. So it's no small feat. No small feat, considering there's like three fights an episode. So it's it's good. It's good that they've done that. I wonder if that's harder to do in animation or live action, because I think at least in animation you've got more control. But Mm, I think it's it's Mm. at some point it becomes six and one and a half dozen of the other. Because if you're storyboarding it to look frenetic, but you're shooting it carefully, then I think it's it's kind of starts to become a. uh, I think there's probably a pretty big Venn diagram there of live action and animation for action scenes different equipment going into it but i think uh, a lot of the same planning and a lot of the same back and forth so we see that lux is watching this from the sidelines and then cobalt whips out a staff and is really holding his own against tron which is no small feat uh but Mm. uh, tron gets the upper hand only i know tron's got his ass kicked so many times already (laughs) yeah right but Tron gets... He's becoming a bit like Wolf in the next generation where, I, oh, he's supposed to be like the most powerful and the best warrior, but because of that, we're putting up against other formidable foes, yeah. so now he looks quite weak. Yeah, every time he's getting punched out, you're like, well, actually, is he any good? You're not really... <laughs> this isn't working anymore. But Tron has the upper hand here, and Beck puts the Cobalt staff to Tron's head, saying, you know, leave my friend alone because he's still got amnesia. And... uh He's like, oh, geez, you know, leave, leave Cobalt alone. Cobalt's my friend. You're that scary Tron guy. I'm a soldier and I'm going to, you know, take you prisoner. And then Tron takes off his helmet and shows his face and that snaps him out of it. But Cobalt, Cobalt's all like, 
what the F? It's Tron. He's like, oh, my gosh. So now Lux knows. Now now Cobol knows. And then Tron admits that he considers himself a friend of Beck, memories or not. Uh, but now the stakes have, like, jacked up another notch because now it's like, you know, Tron's head is on the block here. There's troops that are on their way in a recognizer to pick up Beck. But now Cobol's like, whatever. I've got the, I've got Tron, literally Tron <laughs> here. So I could offer him up for a sweet reward. So, but then uh, Cobol goes to kill Beck, but Tron throws Beck his disc and then Beck gets his memories back and then they incapacitate Cobol and then they go to leave. But then they realize that Cobol knows who the renegade is and they have to take him with them Yeah, or something. They're like, I mean, the obvious answer here is the obvious answer. They're like, they have to kill Cobol, but they're like, they're not that kind. So they're like, well, we're going to have to tie him up, put him in a backpack, keep him with us for uh, the rest of time. <laughs> like, they yep. like, oh, how's that plan going to work? Okay. But then as they're paused, Cobol handcuffs himself to Beck. So now they're really stuck there because Cobol's not going to go anywhere. But then Lux's disc comes out of nowhere and kills Cobol. That's nice of her. So yes. she's like, I made a choice. He doesn't love me. You're right. He's the bad guy. And uh, again, with the death, everybody they meet gets killed. And this is no different. So there goes Cobol. Yeah. And now the gods have arrived. And this is so Lux. A recognizer is straight up landing right behind them. They have to get out of there. This is such a and nice moment. It is. So I think that's Lux is probably one of the main reasons this story is so compelling that what makes a side character work is how they further the plot and help push the main character story along. Yeah. And Lux goes on this great arc. And here, I mean, she's willing to sacrifice herself because of how much faith she has in Tron. Yeah. And yeah, how she... Tron sort of woke her up to the truth. So she Lux gives them Cobal's disc. And also her own disc. And mm. then she charges into battle with the troops that are coming out of the recognizer. So that gives her a one-way ticket, A, a one-way ticket to Amnesia Town uh, if, yeah. she, if she survives. Uh, but then she dies fighting the troops. And she has this fantastic death scene where she's just lying there. And then she, like, you know, crystallizes into her component cubes after she gets knocked down by the by the by the troops after taking a bunch it's all of It's very them. graceful and ballet like. Yeah. yeah, it's a real slow motion music swelling moment. And uh it was just really cool because you think she'd be one of those characters that's going to keep coming back every now and again. I thought she was going to be yeah. a, a recurring character where she'd just show up and who is this person but then she straight up dies. She is great and I would buy an action figure of her. She has the best design. In a second. Yep, in a second. She's great. Because he's got this shaved head. That's especially cool. Yeah, yeah, right? She doesn't have the usual bob that uh, that everybody else does. And then... And it's... I mean, it's it's expected, but Tron's definitely, you know, a bit more hardened and battle-weary. So it's just like, yeah, she wants us to do this. We gotta go. We can't let her sacrifice go to waste. Yeah. And Beck, obviously being the young and experienced... No, we gotta save her. Save everyone. Save everyone. I can't do this. But then Man, so many people die. It cuts to uh, Trot and Beck disposing of the discs in some strange pools in the middle of nowhere. 
I don't really know what these pools are, but they seem yeah. to be often the wasteland and some toxic waste pools or something. But they put the discs into those pools, and I guess the pools are sulfuric acid or something because it breaks down the discs, and that's how they dispose of, I guess, discs and bodies. I don't know. This seems like a really uh, maybe you know suspicious place. Yeah, a place where you want to watch your footing. You know, you wouldn't want to slip into these into these pools. But then, as her disc is melting her face comes out of it in like steam and bits and uh as her her all her memories are melted away and that's the last evidence of her ever having existed so rest in peace lux we hardly knew you you were super cool hmm. so was the peter stormare cobal bunch of great and galt bunch of great characters that we just met bunch of great characters that all get killed it doesn't yeah, this show is really good for background and side characters yeah yeah a lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff. I wish that more of them were recurring and less of them just died as soon as we met them. But that's, uh, I guess that's just the way things work in this, on the grid. I think this was the episode where I definitely went, oh, I'm in. I'm definitely, yeah. I'm connecting to this story because there's real depth being explored with these characters and Beck is vulnerable and then Tron becomes protective in response. But yeah. as a result, that makes him more emotionally vulnerable. So you sort of have this almost father and son dynamic. Let's get there, yeah. Yeah. It, when you, I mean, I know some people aren't super into character focused stuff. They're very much into just lore and world building and plot. That's not really my thing. It's just, no, I want the feels. I want the character <laughs> relationships. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for both. But if you have one without the other in either direction, then it's it's not gonna yeah. hold, hold my interest for too long for me anyway you know. definitely because i think you're more low concept just you know straight up drama set in the real world i mean well, many of those can be good but it it's never if someone tells me about it or i see a trailer go eh, maybe i'll check it out but if it's that plus it's set in a computer or it's yeah it's in space or it's aliens like yes sign me up yeah for sure i'm like in a second i will watch it tomorrow absolutely well, okay. Well, that brings us to the end of Tron uh, Uprising Episode 5 on Animatronic. It's been great. It's been really cool. I'm really look, really stoked, really looking forward to the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Animatronic. I've been Duncan Shields. And I have been Courtney Colson. And tune in next time for another episode of Animatronic. End, end of, of line. line.